Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 82, recorded here on September 17th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please, as always, do your own homework. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for the support. I did meet and exceed my goal of 3,000 cumulative downloads for the podcast, so I'm super excited about that. Now I will need to set a new goal. But uh, thanks again for your support and for listening. I really appreciate it. And without further ado, we will get into week's update. We have a market update and outlook, lots of Bitcoin and Bitcoin-related news. Uh, and then we'll finish up with a mention of uh, this week's Substack, which I published yesterday. And that'll wrap it up. So uh, getting started here with the market update. Stocks fell sharply on Friday with risks rising from the UAW auto strike, the first time in the union's 88-year history that all three major automakers were targeted simultaneously. Chip equipment makers, Applied Materials, Lamb Research, and KLA Corp. all fell more than 4% following a report that Taiwan Semiconductor was delaying deliveries, raising concerns about weak consumer demand. Adding to the gloom was rising oil prices, which have pushed past $90 per barrel to year-to-date highs. Meanwhile, rising treasury yields continue to weigh on stocks, with the benchmark 10-year yield climbing to 4.32%. The Dow Jones average eked out a positive week, up 0.1%, but the S&P and NASDAQ composite closed their second straight week of losses, down by a respective 0.2% and 0.4%. So let's see. Unions getting higher wages. Oil prices going up. Treasury yields rising Hmm, seems like inflation. Not going anywhere. Uh, And, of course, I wonder what the Fed's going to do. Well, let's see. In the look ahead, the spotlight will be on the Federal Reserve, Bank of England, and Bank of Japan next week, amid a new ratcheting up of inflation worries. Rate decisions are also uh, due from the central banks of Norway, Sweden, and Switzerland. In the U.S., the Fed's FOMC is not expected to raise rates, but could tilt a little more hawkish after a stronger-than-expected inflation report for August. Economic reports due during the week include updates on housing starts, crude oil inventories, and initial jobless claims. The week could also see some extra drama on the political front as the countdown continues toward a potential government shutdown again on October 1st. Investors will also have their eyes on the battle between the United Auto Workers Union and Detroit automakers, which could start to have ramifications for dozens of stocks. Weighing in on the auto sector disruption, uh, see, there's an analyst, Doran Levin, called the UAW strike a self-inflicted wound for a declining Detroit-based auto industry, while other analysts have said Tesla looks like a clear beneficiary from the labor squabble. So it should be an interesting week next week, as always. 
Okay, moving into the Bitcoin news. First is the News Week in Review. So just some quick summaries of some things from Bitcoin.com. This was just updated today. First one here, former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried allegedly being extorted and physically harmed in jail. Jeremy Lorenzo, a.k.a. Poops, has given more insights on the difficulties that former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried is allegedly facing during his stay at Brooklyn Metropolitan Detention Center. Lorenzo shared that Bankman-Fried had computer code confiscated and that he might have been moved due to being extorted and physically harmed daily. <laughs> wow. Don't go to jail then. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki, Airbnb to lead the real estate market crash. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki has warned that Airbnb will lead the incoming real estate market crash, noting that many people are worried that the Airbnb bust is finally here. An economist cautioned that it could get a lot worse between a looming recession and excess savings about to dry up. And uh, there, apparently a lot of people have gone and bought properties and then put them into Airbnb and can't afford the payments unless they're being rented out through Airbnb. And so when that slows down, they won't be able to make the payments and they'll be forced sellers. And then I guess that's the theory. Um, I guess time will tell. Next one here, man plans to sue city over refusal to dig for 7,500 lost Bitcoin in landfill. James Howells, a Bitcoin enthusiast who misplaced 7,500 Bitcoin in a South Wales landfill, is gearing up to take legal action against the local city council for barring his efforts to unearth the missing hard drive from 2013. This former IT professional, now 38, has been odds, at odds with Newport City Council for 10 long years, rallying a 16-person crew to help retrieve the drive, now valued at $194 million. Um, well, don't lose your keys. Don't lose your hard drive. I guess that's the lesson there. Seriously, though, you do have to have a resilient backup plan for your keys if you're going to hold self-custody. And uh, I think a multi-signature collaborative custody setup makes the most sense for me personally. Uh, and you just, you know, two out of three keys to move the coins. And uh, you don't store it on a hard drive. You store them on the blockchain where they belong. Next article here, Binance CEO urges hardware 2FA use for all crypto platforms after Vitalik Buterin's X account hack. Binance CEO Changpeng Zhao has urged everyone to use hardware two-factor authentication for all crypto platforms after a social media account belonging to Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin was hacked and used to post a crypto scam link. In the past, I've had my Twitter account locked a few times due to hackers trying to brute force it, trying different passwords repeatedly, CZ shared. Or you can just get off of Twitter like I did and be on Noster, which is the same thing. You have a private key and a public key, so you know don't lose your private key, otherwise you're toast. All right, next up, 
this is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted yesterday. Uh, articles entitled "The State Destroys Wealth." Javier Millet on Argentina's inflation crisis. On September 14th, 2023, Carlson posted an interview uh, on the social media platform X with Argentine economist, businessman, and politician Javier Millet. The La Libertad Avanza political coalition leader discussed inflation and other topics, including abortion and climate change, with the former Fox News anchor. Millet pointed to socialism and the state for the country's economic woes. His advice to the world, never embrace socialism or the siren song of social justice. In the video, <clears throat> Carlson remarks on Argentina's beauty, but notes that diners at restaurants use large stacks of fiat currency for meals. In August, Argentina's inflation rate hit 124.4%, leading to a major cost of living crisis. The economic downturn troubling Argentina has bolstered Millet's popularity. When Carlson asked about the inflation, Millet said it stemmed from socialism's shortcomings. The issue is that Argentina began to embrace socialism over 100 years ago, Millet told Carlson. The analogy of frogs in a pot of water is useful here. When you turn up the heat slowly, the frogs don't realize it until the time comes and when they try to jump out, it's too late and they end up dead. Millet said that while socialism initially seemed appealing to Argentina, it's a flawed economic system. He described a socialist system as, if there's a need, there's a right, he added. It's a problem because there can be infinite needs, but someone always has to pay for those rights and the resources for that are finite. That sparks a conflict between infinite needs and finite resources, the presidential candidate continued. The conflict is easy to resolve through economic freedom and private property. This is a natural mechanism to resolve this tension in society, but socialists don't much like the invisible hand. They prefer the claws of the state. Argentina's general election is set for October 22nd, 2023, and a major political shift is anticipated. Millet plans to reduce the government's footprint by eliminating 10 ministries and aims to significantly decrease public spending. He also intends to adopt another currency or commodity as his administration dissolves Argentina's central bank. In his conversation with Carlson, Millet stressed, the state does not create wealth, the state destroys it. The politician ardently champions the virtues of free markets, asserting that the non-aggression principle is the optimal path for the well-being of Argentine citizens. Socialists hide it behind the discourse of social justice, Millet said. This sort of social justice is deeply unjust because it's premeditated by unequal treatment under the law and preceded by a robbery. So interesting guy. Uh, will be interesting to watch and see what happens in Argentina next month when they have their elections. Next uh, article is from CoinGeek. This was posted yesterday. Uh, BIS, or the Bank of International Settlements, partners with Israel Hong Kong for retail CBDC experiment. So a little update on what's going on in the evil world of CBDCs. The Bank for International Settlements has announced the completion of the proof of concept 
for a new retail central bank digital currency model with inclusivity and privacy at the core. Oh, isn't that nice? Called Project Stella, the BIS teamed up with the Bank of Israel and the Hong Kong Monetary Authority for the experiment, leveraging each central bank's experience with CBDCs. According to the 60-page report, the BIS noted that Project Sela showed no significant promise in achieving showed sorry significant promise in achieving a retail CBDC platform with access, security, and innovation functionalities. In its design, Project Sela envisions the central bank as the operator of the RCBDC platform saddled with the primary responsibility of ensuring instant settlement for all transactions. All customer-facing services will be within the purview of private intermediary service providers called access enablers per the technical details provided in the report. AEs will not have access to the RCBDCs of customers as users exercise control of their funds via self-generated private cryptographic keys. Under Project Sela's architecture, AEs do not incur any credit risk as the system eliminates the need to hold liquidity on their balance sheet before offering our CBDC services. BIS submits that removing the credit risk is expected to open the floodgates for AEs, promoting healthy competition and encouraging innovation in the space. AEs will also not be burdened with creating accounts and record management tasks which the BIS says will lower the entry barrier. However, AEs are expected to offer a range of services, including endorsements, routing, and other compliance requirements as may be stipulated in the rule book. Lower entry barriers can enable wider participation in the provision of RCVDC services compared with the existing payments market to include, for example, SMEs, civil society and charitable organizations, e-commerce providers, community centers, and technology companies, among others, read the report. Increased access to the CBDC system by AEs comes with peculiar challenges, including the risk of security breaches. Project Sela uses preventative software design to mitigate cybersecurity threats while still maintaining the desirable attributes of cash. The participating trio have extensive experience in CBDCs with the BIS completing a series of experiments into the cross-border payment functionalities of central bank money. The BIS previously teamed up with the central banks of Hong Kong, the United Arab Emirates, China, and Singapore for its widely successful MCBDC pilot. Collaboration with Israel, Sweden, and Norway, dubbed Project Icebreaker, led to impressive results for the future of cross-border CBDCs. Israel has made considerable progress with its digital shekel studies, while Hong Kong appears to be modeling its pilot after China's digital yuan. Uh, well, I still uh, don't like it, and, uh, you know, it just uh, is basically the fiat system on a uh, digital rail, and uh, you won't have any privacy. I mean, this whole thing about uh, holding your own keys seems kind of silly if if the intermediaries uh, are still subject to being hacked, then what good is it that you have your private keys? So Bitcoin is probably is the best way to hold your money and hold your own keys and uh central bank digital currency is just uh 
seem like a, a new version of a of a, an old idea, which is central banks, which are bad. Uh, moving ahead, we have CoinDesk. This was published on September fifteenth. Bitco Swan to form Bitcoin only trust company. Crypto custodian Bitco and Bitcoin financial services firm Swan plan to form a BTC only trust company as a means of offering custody without exposure to the rest of the digital asset market. The joint venture, which is subject to regulatory approval, will combine Bitco's custody capabilities with Swan's expertise in onboarding and fraud prevention. It would be the U.S.'s first Bitcoin-only trust company, according to a press release on Thursday evening. We believe the best model for the Bitcoin industry is the same battle-tested model that has been part of the U.S. financial industry for over a century, the separation of exchange and custody, Bitco CEO Mike Belshay said. Bitco is one of the custodians Swan has used for its Bitcoin storage needs, with another being Nevada-based chartered trust company Fortress Trust, which has agreed to be acquired by Ripple. Addressing that deal, Swan CEO Corey Clipston said Swan is already working to, to move compliance and settlement to another partner. We've been integrating with Bakht since early 2023, and we've already begun transferring some customer segments over. It's important for us to build a custodian without the risks of securing many altcoins within the same trust company as Bitcoin, Clipston said. Crypto custodian Prime Trust was put in receivership in July, shortly after Bitco canceled plans to acquire it. Prime Trust CEO Jorla revealed in a court filing in August that the firm had lost $8 million in an investment in the Terra USD algorithmic stablecoin, which collapsed in May of 2022. After aborting its prime trust acquisition, Bitco raised $100 million in funding at a valuation of $1.75 billion. Uh, was listening to Marty and Matt on RHR this week, and uh, Matt's 100% right that um, third-party custodians, whether they're trusted or not, are a security hole, and uh, you... you you're, the only way that you're sure that you're not going to get rugged is if you hold your own coins, uh, hold your own keys. And um, you could rug yourself by losing your your private keys. But um, if you're smart in your, in your setup, you shouldn't ever have to worry about that. And you should be able to sleep good at night. Um, the reality is, is that custodians probably are going to be needed, especially for corporate treasuries um, that have to hold large amounts of Bitcoin. They just can't really do it themselves. Um, and the same thing with investment products like ETFs and that sort of thing. So um, trusted custodians don't go away. But um, if uh, I guess if they're properly set up, they would... Uh, have a little less risk, but there's always trade-offs, and that's just what you have to understand with any setup, that uh, if you give your coins to a, a trusted third party, they can they, they can rug you, and uh, you have to trust them. So something to be aware of. Uh, next here is from Cointelegraph. Um, 
This is uh, posted on September 15th. Miner returns over $500,000 in Bitcoin transaction fee overpayment to Paxos. A Bitcoin miner who received 19.8 Bitcoin in fees from blockchain infrastructure firm Paxos has returned the funds after it claimed the company made a mistake in paying over $500,000 in transfer fees. On September 10th, the crypto community was puzzled after seeing a Bitcoin transaction that paid around $500,000 in fees to move around $2,000, with the average network fee around $2. Various speculations were raised, with some believing that the transaction was done by copy-pasting data and accidentally pasting an output into the fee box without double-checking. On September 13th, Paxos announced that it was its server that made the transfer following its claim the company assured its users that their funds were safe and belonged to Paxos. The company also clarified that PayPal was not involved in the mistake and admitted that the error was its own. Almost a day after Paxos's claims, the Bitcoin miner who received the funds went on X, formerly Twitter, to express frustrations after agreeing to refund the amount to Paxos. The miner asked their ex-followers what they would do in their place, and a majority voted to just distribute the money to other Bitcoin miners. However, this advice doesn't appear to have been taken. Blockchain data shared by Bitcoin Explorer Mempool confirmed that the funds were indeed returned on September 15th. Thousands of dollars in transaction fees have been lost in mistakes before. Back in 2019, an Ethereum user lost almost $400,000 in Ether after pasting values in the wrong fields. Luckily, the Ethereum mining pool Spark Pool helped the user recover half the funds lost. Um, and uh, most of the user interfaces for Bitcoin wallets will have some kind of a warning or something um, on the fees that you're paying when you're moving coins. It normally would not allow you to uh, pay that much for, for fees, but you do have to pay attention to it. And, um, uh, you know, if you're not in a hurry for your transaction to get recorded, you can always... Um, you know, put the minimum in and it'll just sit there for a while until it gets uh, transacted. But obviously you need to pay attention to the mining fees that you're paying when you're moving your coins around, bottom line. And don't fat finger. Uh, next is from Decrypt. This was posted on September 14th. Bull Bitcoin Exchange expands from Canada to Costa Rica. Uh, amid widespread international expansion from crypto companies, Canadian Bitcoin exchange Bull Bitcoin announced a commercial foray into Costa Rica this week. The company became the first Bitcoin enterprise to tap into Sinte Mobile, the country's primary payment provider, offering a Bitcoin on and off ramp. Aided by a Bitcoin circular economy project dubbed the Bitcoin Jungle, Users will be able to buy and sell Bitcoin with the country's national currency, the Cologne, through the project's digital wallet. To swap Colonus into Bitcoin or vice versa, Costa Ricans and tourists can download the Bitcoin Jungle wallet, create a username, and select the Sinpay Mobile option. Sinpay Mobile, the Spanish acronym for National System for Electronic Payments, is run and operated by the Costa Rican Central Bank and uses a similar model to the Kenyan uh, M-Pesa. Users are allowed to send and receive money via mobile phone numbers instantaneously. 
According to local media outlets, more than 60% of the country uses the service, with the system transacting the equivalent of 17% of the country's GDP at one point. The service is not a dedicated app, but instead operates as an interbank settlement service, much like Zelle in the United States or Interac in Canada. Synpay Mobile integration is a game changer, said Francois Puglio, founder and CEO of Bull Bitcoin, because everyone in Costa Rica uses it. He told Decrypt that it's simple and transactions are instant and described it as an almost magical experience due to the ability to send money from anywhere in the world to a Costa Rican's phone number within seconds at a very low cost. According to Pulio, a Canadian national who has lived in Costa Rica for three years, the country is fairly banked thanks to Sinpay Mobile. <clears throat> for Lee Salmonen, the founder of Bitcoin Jungle, Bull Bitcoin's local partner, the partnership allows the company key insight into Latin America. Being on the ground in Costa Rica provides a unique opportunity to experiment in real time, he told Decrypt, with ground-level insight into its impact and adoption. Bitcoin Jungle has been paving the way for Bitcoin circular economy in what's known as Costa Rica's Golden Triangle, comprising five communities, Dominical, Uvita, Ojocal, Platanillo, and Tinamaste. It aims to replicate what Bitcoin Beach has done in El Salvador. Julio concluded that the integration into Sinpay Mobile solves the biggest obstacle for Bitcoin adoption in Costa Rica, the absence of infrastructure that lets businesses and individuals move money from the Bitcoin network into the traditional financial system. So really interesting. Um, uh, I've actually written about Costa Rica, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, a possible Plan B type of place. Been there on vacation. It's a beautiful place. Great people, uh, and they um, they're actually pretty freedom minded there. And there's obviously a lot going on in the Bitcoin community, uh, in Bitcoin Jungle there. So, you know, it's worth a look. Next up, uh, this is also from Decrypt. This was posted on September twelfth. Franklin Templeton, latest Wall Street giant to file for Bitcoin ETF. And I think now there's something like 10, 10 pending applications, I think at least, for Bitcoin ETFs right now uh, that are all lined up with the SEC. Asset manager Franklin Templeton is the latest Wall Street giant to enter the race for a spot Bitcoin ETF. Franklin Templeton, which is one of the world's largest asset managers handling around $1.4 trillion, filed the application with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on Tuesday. The product would be called the Franklin Bitcoin ETF and would be a series within the Franklin Templeton Digital Holdings Trust, according to the application. It added that its shares would be listed and traded on the CBOE BZX exchange and that America's largest crypto exchange, Coinbase, would be the fund's custodian. San Francisco-based Coinbase has been chosen by other Bitcoin ETF applications as the would-be fund's custodian and surveillance sharing partner. This means Coinbase would share information about trading, clearing activity, and customer identification to reduce the risks of market manipulation, as well as take care of the storage of the Bitcoin backing the fund's shares. The SEC is currently reviewing a number of spot Bitcoin exchange-traded fund applications, including one from the world's top asset manager, BlackRock. Last month, the SEC delayed its decision on several Bitcoin ETF applications, including BlackRock's and one from WisdomTree. 
The next deadline to respond to an application is October 16th, but the agency can again choose to delay. And for what it's worth, I think they will. You probably won't see a Bitcoin ETF until early part of next year, uh, right around the time the Fed starts cutting interest rates and the halving occurs, which would be a perfect way to kick off the next Bitcoin bull market. Uh, article goes on to say SEC Chair Gary Gensler told lawmakers Tuesday at the Senate Banking Committee that the SEC was still reviewing the multiple Bitcoin ETF applications. All right, next up, uh, this is from Cointelegraph. Um, pretty big news. Coinbase to integrate Bitcoin Lightning Network, according to CEO Brian Armstrong. Uh, this was posted on September 13th. Crypto exchange Coinbase has confirmed its decision to integrate Layer 2 payment protocol Lightning Network as users seek faster and cheaper Bitcoin transactions. Lightning Network was created to help solve Bitcoin scalability problem and to compete against newer cryptocurrency projects that promise comparatively faster and cheaper transactions. Up until recently, major crypto exchanges, including Coinbase and Binance, had no intent to adopt a Layer 2 solution as many community members argued that Lightning Network integration offered fewer incentives for exchanges' income. Countering the predominant narrative, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong confirmed the exchange's decision to integrate Lightning Network. He added, Bitcoin is the most important asset in crypto, and we're excited to do our part to enable faster, cheaper Bitcoin transactions. We'll take some time to integrate, so please be patient. The decision comes a month after Victor Bunin, a protocol specialist at Coinbase, started investigating the feasibility of uh, Lightning Network integration. During this timeline, MicroStrategy founder Michael Saylor and Square CEO Jack Dorsey publicly questioned Armstrong's position on Lightning Network. Following Armstrong's announcement, the crypto community celebrated the decision as Coinbase's Lightning Network integration will allow more users to witness affordable and efficient Bitcoin microtransactions. On July 17th, <clears throat> Binance announced the completion of Bitcoin Lightning Network integration for Bitcoin withdrawals and deposits. Binance users who choose to withdraw or deposit Bitcoin are now able to select Lightning as an option. Other options include BNB Smart Chain, Bitcoin, BNB Beacon Chain, Bitcoin, uh, Segwit, and Ethereum ERC-20. And uh, so... You know, it's not happening anytime soon, it sounds like, but uh, it certainly makes a lot of sense, especially if fees are high. It's a lot cheaper to move your coins using the Lightning Network than to use it on chain. So that will probably continue to drive uh, Lightning Network adoption, hopefully. Uh, and then speaking of adoption, uh, I'm just finish up with this last article here from investing.com. This was pu published uh, today entitled Bitcoin surpasses Visa transaction volume. Bitcoin's annual transaction volume has outpaced Visa. This is a significant milestone, especially when you consider that operates on a decentralized network and has not achieved global usage on the scale of Visa. But before popping the champagne, let's delve into some nuances that often go overlooked. First off, the term transaction volume can be a bit misleading. In case 
a large chunk of network activity in the past year came from Ordinals, a protocol that allows Satoshis in the blockchain to be assigned a unique identifier and transacted with extra data like images, for example. The protocol conducts high-frequency transactions. So while the sheer volume of transactions is impressive, it is not necessarily indicative of widespread retail use or adoption. Now, why is it tricky to compare Visa and crypto networks like Bitcoin in terms of transactions? Well, Visa is a centralized payment system that has been around for decades, fine-tuned for consumer transactions. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is a decentralized network where transactions can represent anything from a coffee purchase to a multi-million dollar asset transfer. The two are fundamentally different beasts, each with its own set of rules, limitations, and use cases. That said, surpassing Visa and transaction volume is still a momentous occasion. It is a testament to the growing influence of decentralized networks. It also raises questions about what the financial landscape could look like in the future. Could decentralized networks one day be the norm, rendering centralized systems obsolete? As for now, full adoption of decentralized payments is not going as smoothly as crypto enthusiasts would expect. Uh, El Salvador's experiment has clearly shown numerous weaknesses and issues the general population faces when interacting with digital payments. Well, that's one take. There's other takes that are saying it's doing quite well for the country. And uh, they're expanding education and, um, you know, people can still use dollars. uh, But more and more people are using Bitcoin there. And so we'll see. Time will tell on that one for sure, but still uh, kind of impressive that Bitcoin is processing that much transaction activity, <clears throat> and uh, it's certainly a lot cheaper uh, than uh, than the uh, merchant fees that uh, that you, that the uh, Visa network charges. So perhaps uh, in time, Visa will get disrupted. And then uh, that'll wrap it up. I did want to mention this week's blog post, and I will include a link in the show notes uh, to all the articles that I reviewed, as well as um, this week's blog post, entitled A Brief History of Central Banks in the United States, Their Rise, Fall, and the Case for Bitcoin. So check that out on Substack, and if you like it, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And that will wrap it up. So thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Uh, If you're not listening to it on Fountain, you should. You can earn sats just for listening to your favorite podcasts. Uh, You can also follow my Substack. It's uh, located at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And... You can follow me on Noster. I'm only on Noster. I'm not on any other social media networks at all. Just Noster. And my um, Noster public key is included in the show notes. You should check it out. And uh, with that, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.